As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. How are you guys feeling? Bear market vibes? Vibes high? Hello, how are you? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, indeed. I mean, you know, if you're a if you're a Bitcoiner that's got zero leverage, zero margin, then you're you're happy as a clam. You're stacking. You you've never seen cheaper prices, cheaper sats since 2020. This is uh, you know, I, I tweeted as a joke nine months ago last winter. You know, I, I kinda hope that 2022 is a complete crypto winter where the weak eat their own and stackers enjoy cheap sats. And it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for. But I mean, you're welcome in a way. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think the number one lesson here, and it's certainly harder to follow in a, in a bull market, whether you joined in 2021 or 2020, or I mean, I guess if you had gone through a cycle or two before, you probably wouldn't lever up to the hilt. But the, you know, it's pretty easy to sleep at night is if you don't have over 100% of your net worth exposed to Bitcoin mark-to-market exchange rate, right? <laughs> like whether that's, I mean, whether that's 100% of cold storage, which is probably not the correct risk profile for everyone in the audience or really anyone, or, you know, just something where you you are forced to become a seller if Bitcoin drops 80%. As like a baseline, I just say like, yeah, Bitcoin always can drop at least 50% in your purchase price. And if that changes your thesis or your outlook on the asset, you're doing it wrong. So yeah, I mean, this is great. Like I certainly don't really care. It's obviously uh, tough for, you know, quote unquote, the industry at large, but like even the industry, like if you think of crypto as an industry, it's like, well, what is it? Like, what is crypto as an industry? It's un for the most part, financial services, many, most of which are unregulated and unregistered securities. And like, I'm not an SEC simp, but like, let's be real here. These are quasi equity tokens or not equities, but whatever the hell you want to call them, right? It's unregistered financial services and unregistered securities layered on top of, you know, gambling casinos. Like this is what crypto is. And Bitcoin as a, as I mean, it's, it's very boring. Bitcoin is money. Like, like, as like, I, I, I had a talk with Udi today or not. It's talk, pronounced. No, I like, and, you know, to each their own here, what's up with you? And, I, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion on some of this stuff in a sec. But it's it's like, yeah, Bitcoin is extremely boring. Is it's, it, it's, it's extremely boring. I mean, maybe the exchange rate's fun when it's volatile, but it produces a block every 10 minutes. And that's basically it, right? It's just this, it's this thing out in the wild and people acquire it and people send it. It's just money. It's 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 extremely boring. And the crypto industry is obviously, you know, this massive Rube Goldberg machine. And so people talk about it more. But like, is any of this stuff lasting? Like, is, is any of this stuff being built? And some people will say yes. 
that's fine, you know. And m- maybe I agree to an extent, maybe not. Bitcoin's but, also boring by design too, right? I mean, it's not supposed to be this like ever-changing dynamic system that is constantly getting updates and changes to the monetary policy, right? Like it, it just is what it is. And that source of stability is much of the value that it provides. Just adding on to what you're talking about, Dylan, because I totally agree. Ossification. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, be- it's a beautiful thing. Like, yeah, the, the merge is the most bull- like bullish or biggest catalyst in the history of crypto, blah, 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 blah. It's like, Okay, well, sure, but you know, I think a lot of people that were saying that were also like championing like the ultrasound money meme and and whatnot without even realizing that like last cycle or even just like twelve to eighteen months before, like Ethereum's it wasn't ultrasound money; it was like gas for smart contracts or like DApps or IC. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just like this like shiny object thing. Not not even an ETH, but like crypto, right? It's like, okay, what's the next narrative? Like narrative for what? For like, for this thing, like acquiring some form of like quasi monetary premium for a time being and being like collectively pumped and then inevitably dumped. You know, like, like that's why, like, that's why I don't really, that's why I just shit on crypto so much broadly. It's like, what are you trying to do? It's like, well, you're just trying to convince someone or some, you know, amount of people for a period of time that your thing has some form of monetary value for, for whatever reason. Like, whatever that is, right? Like, it could be, like, you know, a DeFi governance token that gives you the right to vote on, like, this protocol's fees that's, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, what is actually happening here other than speculation? Fine. Speculate. Like, I, you know, I am certainly not a state simp. Like, you know, abolish the SEC for all I care, right? But, like, oh, yeah, this is going to change the world. Why? Because you can get leverage on your shitcoin and then you know, trade that shitcoin on other shitcoin rails for cheaper than the other shitcoin. It's like, oh, well, maybe that's cool, I guess. But like, is this the future of finance? I'm not convinced. The future of finance that's co-opted by the government, once again, that's that's where I get off the train. Like, So you have all these guys talking about the future of finance, but then when you actually start pointing out the technical limitations of how centralized something is and how easily co-opted it's going to be become, like look at Ethereum. As soon as the merge happens, there you go. The whole, you have basically OFAC compliance over 50%, right? And the reason why that's possible is because it's technically possible. Anything that can happen will happen. Like, and especially when it comes to government co-option, when it comes to these protocols, right? You had Tornado Cash, which was, quote unquote, the most decentralized mixer on the planet. And literally the Treasury and the Justice Department farted and it blew it off the face of the planet within within 24 hours. Right. Like all of this stuff that the marketing like natively blockchains aren't scams. They're not natively fraudulent. Right. Like you can't have an abandoned object like an assault rifle. It's not an assault rifle until someone does something with it. And that's where a lot of these other protocols, these other chains start to come into the category of scams and, and fraudulent because there's people that are, are orientating themselves around them and marketing something that just isn't so. Like if you just had these protocols and they were just literally being advertised of what they actually are, I don't think anyone would have any issue with them. Like at the end of the day, where people gain a lot of issue with these is because they're being marketed as something that they're not. Like, like Dylan just talked about the ultrasound money meme of Ethereum. Like that is, it's not going to be that in any sense, no matter any way you fake it, because the technical fundamentals tell, tell you so, right? 
it's already been co-opted. It's been around for five or six years, and now it's basically co-opted. You have the biggest stablecoin in their whole DeFi market is run by BlackRock. Like, you can't tell me that if they try to fork the network and BlackRock says we're not supporting this and any USDC token that is on this new fork is not going to be redeemable, what do you think is going to happen to that whole quote-unquote future of finance marketplace? It's going to implode. So there's so many centralized points within Ethereum, whether it's the validators, whether it's the stablecoin issuers, whether it's the literal companies with CEOs that are supposed to be Dexits, like that can easily be targeted by law enforcement, easily targeted by government regulatory capture. And the list just goes on and on and on. And then you start to realize, oh, at the best, what Ethereum is, it's basically the future of finances for the United States that's regulated by the United States, right? It's like, oh, we might be able to find some market efficiencies by using this quasi decentralized chain, but it's not what they're claiming that is. They're claiming it's the future of money. It's the future of decentralized finance for the planet. It's none of those things, right? And that's where things start to get into like the fraudulent category is when these people aren't stupid. They're not just saying this because they believe it. They say it because they have an arterial motive to make other people think that that's, that is what it is. But that's just not the case, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of the smartest people in the space are not like altcoin, whatever you want to call them. They're not shitcoiners because they actually put the time into understanding the fundamentals and they, they see what it, for it actually is. And they see these people basically lying to the retail space of what it is. And then like, well, that's a scam. Well, it is because they're lying about what something is and they're profiting off it. And let's talk about, you talked about OFAC compliance and, and being state captured. And let's talk about exactly what, what, what that does for Ethereum going forward. It literally cuts off a huge swath of the planet from being interested in putting uh, monetar uh, monetary value and, and purchases of size into Ethereum. Because let's just say you're some rich individual of Russian background or Chinese background or you name it, future country that the U.S. may or may not fall out of favor with. Well, you can't put your money and your value into Ethereum, which is already OFAC compliant. You've already seen what happens if you get on the wrong side of the U.S. with the SWIFT system. So, and, and we just seen like how quickly, you know, you can be in good today and, and on the outs tomorrow. So putting your money in Ethereum is literally putting yourself at risk and vulnerability. So when they made that switch and some, you know, some smart minds were warning about it, like this is, this is actually, you're actually limiting your future customers, but whatever, Godspeed and, and whatever, we just watch it happen. And I guess they'll figure it out years from now, or maybe they never will, but <laughs> it, you're shooting yourself in the foot and building this uh, glass ceiling above your head. Even look how the SEC looks at Ethereum. And I quote, maybe this isn't the exact quotes, but they said the majority of the validators on Ethereum are within inside of the United States. Therefore, we have jurisdiction over every transaction that happens on Ethereum. Like, what does that sound like to you? Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> and I can't decide if if one day maybe Ethereum gets labeled a security or maybe it never does because if it's already captured, if it's already, um, you know, more or less state controlled, then, y you know, <laughs> then it's done. 
well not even the not even the OPEC like like forget about the merge and the and the reality that it's much more able to be captured due to the centralized validators which you know cuz they the merge essentially transferred block production from the miner level which you had you know physical hardware all, all over the planet that was buying waste stranded energy oftentimes not connected to the grid and really you could be disconnected to a satellite essentially and it was a pure profit incentive to now where it's it's a it's an exchange game or really anywhere where stake centralizes, which is obviously exchanges. Never mind all of that. But when when I think about Ethereum or really any smart contract protocol, like it could be, you know, you could make the same arguments if you wanted to, or, you know, in, in an alternate universe of a Solana or a Tron or any of these smart contract platforms with, you know, a DeFi ecosystem and DEXs and all this other stuff. All of this is essentially just a, a way on-chain supposedly, well, it is on-chain, to swap crypto assets with stable coins. Essentially, that's the whole game, right? Whether it's borrowing against it or staking them or pledging them as collateral or whatever. All of this is just is just financial applications on blockchain, right? That's what they literally aspire to. And here we have this age-old economic dilemma or really like trilemma of currency pegs, right? So the reason there is no decentralized stable coin on Ethereum or really any crypto uh, ecosystem, the reason there isn't a decentralized stablecoin, whether it's UST, which imploded because they tried to do it with an algorithm, which is not possible. Doquan actually founded an algorithmic stablecoin before UST that imploded called Basis Cash. It's not a Doquan thing, not his fault. It's not a fault of SBF and Alameda who attacked UST. It's the fact that you cannot maintain a stable currency peg which, and, and over collateralize it with with a with a made up asset, right? So so one like the, this this currency peg thing, right? This age old thing. Like you can as a, as a country, you can control either two of three things: the capital inflows in that of your country, the exchange rate, or the interest rate, right? You can only choose two. You can't choose three, right? And so attempting to make a decentralized algorithmic stablecoin is essentially attempting to do all three of those things, right? So. So here we have maybe like DAI, right? DAI, it's an over-collateralized stablecoin. Great, right? But what is it collateralized with? Collateralized with centralized USDC. So here's the thing, right? Ethereum is what? 180, 180 billion, 200 billion? Let's call it 200 billion. What's the stablecoin market cap right now of USDC and Tether? 100 bill. Throw in Binance, which is they hold their stablecoins with regulated Paxos. It's like 120 billion. Okay, not all of that's on Ethereum. I understand that, but... For the sake of the argument, you know, let's just say half, which I think more is on Ethereum than half of that. But we'll just say, right, this DeFi ecosystem you're building with, with you know, whether it's Compound or Aave or any of these decentralized applications, quote unquote, quote, like whatever. I'll even I'll even give you the fact that these are decentralized, even though they're not. What happens? And we saw this with the Tornado Cash thing. We saw this with the OFAC compliance of the Treasury. What happens? If because of, you know, some SEC enforcement or because of this, that, and the other thing, all of a sudden there's a contentious fork in East, right? That whether it's, whether it's some sort of base layer censorship or whatever it may be, right? Ethereum is supposedly this decentralized protocol, but let's say, you know, the powers that be don't like the fork, right? Because we've seen through the history of Ethereum and through the history of, of really all of these alt chains, right? Like these protocol changes, these top-down implemented protocol changes, like Ethereum, I think, will, will probably suffer, if not death by a million forks, 
it'll be death by regulatory and not compliance. But the stable coins have all the power here, right? Okay, Ethereum, fork away, right? Fork away and, and you know, become census trip resistant. But what happens if you lose your stable coins, right? And shout out to Checkmate, who's in the audience. If you want to come up, man, I would love to, love to have you here. He really kind of opened my eyes and elaborated on this, on, this thesis, on this thesis with like just an awesome amount of articulation. The reality is that if this, these stable coins, which again, you cannot have decentralized stable coins in, an, in a way that is not over collateralized, which is inefficient, and doesn't scale. You cannot have this. And so if the choice, which it is, is centralized issuers of these stable coins and the government essentially has ultimate authority and regulation over these stable coins, your decentralized ecosystem is not actually decentralized, one. And two, in the, in the event of a contentious hard fork of your chain, of your base layer, the stable coin issuers are not going to select the contentious side of the fork, the, 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 the side of the fork that doesn't appease. So on that, on that note, Dylan, this is this, cause I have that, I have that same thesis. And I've been talking about that for a long time, but then let's, let's bring this back into Bitcoin and let's bring this to lightning. So everything that you just described applies to lightning as well. If you think putting centralized issues and redeemed stable coins on lightning is a good idea. Why is this a bad idea? Because you're like, well, we can, we can have peer to peer cash on lightning and we can, we can use it this way. Well, it opens you up for the same things that Dylan just said, regulatory capture. What happens if you are a routing node or any node that's dealing with essentially issue stable coin, that's probably controlled by very scrupulous individuals like at, at BlackRock Circle or whoever, you're opening yourself up to be regulated. Like if you are just continuing to run a lightning network that does not have centrally issued stable coins on it, there's very little things that they can actually do to capture that network because they do not want to admit that Bitcoin is a currency and they can't get you for money transmission and all these other things. But as soon as you start putting US dollar based stable coins on lightning, you're going to get hit in the head so fast with regulation that you're not even gonna know what hit you. Like this is the one beautiful thing about Bitcoin and why Bitcoin has been able to escape and elude regulation or regulatory capture for over a decade now is because they cannot define what Bitcoin is. And because any way that they try to define it, there's other people that disagree, whether it's a commodity, it's like, oh, well, we still wanna, we wanna tax it or, oh, it's not a currency, all these different things, they can't decide it what it is. But if you start putting, and that's why it can kind of avoid a lot of regulatory capture. And then if you just go ahead and say, hey, let's build this, this layer two peer-to-peer -peer decentralized system called Lightning, and then go ahead and put US dollars on it, you're asking to get absolutely bent over the barrel. And this is why I, I don't understand how a lot of people think putting stable coins on Lightning is, is realistically a good idea. Like it's the exact same thing that we just described for Ethereum exact same thing for lightning if you put co stable coins on it the bitcoin magazine podcast is brought to you by crowd health with open enrollment upon us what if you didn't have to pay healthcare premiums anymore what if you can invest in bitcoin instead with crowd health you could choose your doctors put aside money for your health expenses in your own account and even hold a large part of it in bitcoin pay one low monthly total to fund an account that is yours if a large expense comes up crowd health will crowdfund the bill for you to pay quickly Go to crowdhealthbtc.com and use code BTCMAG and experience freedom from health insurance by utilizing Bitcoin. 
right now through the end of the year, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. Don't get stuck in a bad insurance plan again. Instead, go to crowdhealthbtc.com and use code BTCMAG to sign up. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. So let me let me pose a question to the room and then I'll open it up and, and, and step away because I don't, don't want to be here myself talk the whole time. I'll still man the case for... Actually, let me rewind. An argument that I actually think is valid, and I, I should clarify, I am a proponent of Bitcoin and champion Bitcoin because I think realistically it's the only shot we have on the planet to have global, neutral, apolitical money built for enemies in the digital world. I think it's the only shot. Regardless of that, when we see all these blowups of lending, lending firms or whatever, and you could say, yeah, sure, this is just you know basically a result of the degenerate fiat incentives of of leverage and lending and borrowing and yield and accept, like whatever, right? We know this, but the reality is that however, may, however hyper-centralized these uh, institutions, or not institutions, um, protocols are, and again, I'm, I'm still manning this case here, the, the DeFi protocols of say like maybe Aave or Compound or whatever, right? With centralized stablecoins, with basically centralized protocols, I know this, they did, they, they are much more transparent in the leverage and the liquidation and the assets under management than, let's say, a BlockFi, right? And you have people like, like Peter McCormick, and I love Peter McCormick. I've recorded with him before. I'm going to record with him again. But saying, you know, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist and I'm not going to use, I have a bunch of Bitcoin and I'm not going to use DeFi and I'm going to use a BlockFi because I, I trust a centralized institution more, right? And the reality is they blew up. So to conclude... <laughs> Is there a case for, you know, let's say DeFi, and it's not DeFi, right? Because it's not decentralized, but whatever this current form of borrowing and lending is, is there any space for that in Bitcoin? Or are we just, we just have this, this protocol that's, that's purpose built to do one thing, transmit, send, receive, hold value, and that's it. And we're going to have leverage blowups because of, you know, economic incentive to to rehypothecate and that's an age-old thing and we can't do anything about it do you mean like putting this directly on the base layer or do well you no means like what do you what do you what do you mean well, counterparty I mean, he's talking about something like counterparty where you actually peg a, like colored coin where you take a piece of satoshi and you make it represent something yeah, well right. i i think more so like not even i mean maybe it's that like i'm not saying it's on the base layer but when i think the one thing that i can agree with and I'm not even saying it's necessary, and I actually don't think it is, of like, okay, if we're going into this world where fiat money is literally politically programmed to massively debase over the course of the next decade in my lifetime, well, what's the alternative? And in my, my opinion, the alternative is Bitcoin as the only shot we have for neutral glo global money in the digital age. But regardless, there's 
there's a natural desire currently, and I think there will, will forever be, to to borrow, lend, pledge, whatever. And these DeFi tech, Dylan, I think that it makes sense, but not as a side chain, like a federated side chain, not actually on chain. Yeah, I agree. So like, is the model like a liquid with actual like like? Is that what something like a liquid? Yeah, something like a liquid makes sense. Because if that like, it, and it just doesn't make sense for regulated entities to be in actually on chain. Like if it's federated, it just makes more sense on like every use case. So I, I just think a federated model it serves that purpose. I don't think a blockchain does. I don't think it scales enough for that to work. I think it has to go sidechain type style. Yeah, I mean, probably just a regulatory arbitrage in the current form, right? Where it's like, you know, yeah. nice thing, but it's it's more so it's just like, well, I can't spin up a company to do this. One of the biggest problems with this as well is what people don't talk about is the allocation of capital. So if you look in today's world and you look where most of this lending and borrowing comes from, it comes from the very small percentage of the world that actually has the current capital today to be able to do this lending and borrowing. And just in the fiat world, it's people who have direct access or very close access to the central banks. And ultimately, like if like you're looking at this in the very near term, there's not going to be enough liquidity and borrowing lending in any decentralized fashion. Like that's just the reality because the people that actually have the capital that are willing to do that are going to be regulated institutions. Like even today on DeFi. So like this, forget about the conversation about DeFi being decentralized or not. The people that are providing the most liquidity in that are not like individuals. They're regulated financial institutions that are speculating in these DeFi protocols because they're the ones that have that capital to actually make these markets. And that's going to be that way for a very long time um, until you don't have these massive, like massive hoardings of cash or whatever you want to call it, of capital that these people are going to be able to use to, to make those markets, right? And so ultimately it really comes down to your, your time preference. Like you can create these things on side chains or you cannot, but if even if you created the perfect side chain today, it's still going to be very, very centralized because in that federated chain, the people that are providing that liquidity are probably very centralized regulated entities, right? And so it's like- Yeah, but, that, you know, yeah, but you don't deal with worldwide. Like, you know, you, you don't have to pick one jurisdiction. The, the whole point of that would be you would decentralize okay, but the point is, the world. Is, is, that, is that going to be decentralized enough to avoid regulatory capture? Like, that's the whole point. Like, the reason why Bitcoin is Bitcoin is because it has been able to avoid all this regulatory capture because it can, right? Everything else that's getting co-opted right now is happening because it can. So can you build a federated chain where you can do borrowing and lending that is literally decentralized enough to withstand state attack? No. That, that's the no I think the state, I think the state would have to adopt that. Type that's, of that's my point, right? So that's why I think that all of these quote unquote future of finance, DeFi, whatever you want to call it, that is all going to have to be blessed by the state. Like, because there is no way you can build these markets the way that they are today in a decentralized fashion that's going to be able to be state resistance. So ultimately the goal is, is for Bitcoin to be that, that shield that can actually withstand that, that state level of tax. And over a period of time, 
that is what actually erodes the state and their ability to do that. But in today, in the control that the state has today, and you try to make anything that's not even remotely as decentralized as Bitcoin, they're going to steamroll it or they're going to adopt it because you've actually complied with what they want you to do. This is what you're going to see with all the DeFi protocols on Ethereum. By the end of the decade, Uniswap, Aave, they're all going to be 100% KYC approved. And ultimately, that's the death of real DeFi is because it's going to be DeFi in name only. And the, and the ones that are the least decentralized are going to be the ones that actually went out in the short term because they're going to be the ones that have centralized authority and control in making all these calls, whether or not to comply with KYC. And if you can comply with KYC as a DeFi protocol, you're just you're not decentralized, right? You are centralized if you're able to even comply. And so ultimately, I don't think these quote unquote real decentralized future in, in marketplaces will ever exist until Bitcoin actually erodes the power of the state. And that's probably going to be far off into the future. And so that's why I don't even want stable coins on Lightning. Like if you really want to use stable coins, go use it on some other chain. Because if you put that on Bitcoin, you are opening the attack vector that the state can come after Lightning, which I don't want. Like, like if you want to use stable coins, I don't care if you use other chains. Like that, I don't have a problem with that. I have problems with people marketing things that aren't actually reality. That's the problem. And so at least that's how I'm viewing DeFi. Like a lot of these things, I don't think they can exist in a state where they can actually resist the state at this point. The state still has too much power and you have to let Bitcoin actually erode the power of the state before you can actually start to try to do these things in a real decentralized fashion. And that, and it comes down to it's a technical limitation, right? And that's what Ethereum is, right? They're making it as quote unquote decentralized as they can and, to, and still have the efficiency to actually offer market efficiencies in these DeFi markets. But look, they're already co-opted right off the bat, co-opted, right? Because they made it too centralized and they're, they're playing into the market efficiency thesis where they're making a product based off of what people want and not realizing they're going to get steamrolled by the government. I would say the bull case for Ethereum, like like if I had to steel man it, and not even steel man it because I think about all these things probabilistically, I think there's a good chance over the next five years, like Ethereum can do well in price performance. And the reality is in that scenario where it does well, it's because it is the de facto choice of of the state, right? Of, and the state as in probably the US. Most, most people don't realize like Ethereum is going to be here in 10 years. It won't be here in 100 years. Bitcoin will be here in 100 years. Like these people are playing different games. Like Bitcoin's playing the long game and it's going to be around here in 150, 200 years. Will Ethereum will be here in 10 years? Probably. Will it be here in 50 years? Very unlikely. Is it going to be here in 100 years? Fuck no, right? People are playing different games. And this is all the fiat arbitrage that a lot of these altcoiners are actually playing is they're looking to arbitrage the current system and make as much meat as they possibly can. And then in the long run, they don't care if the whole thing falls apart within 10 to 20 years. Where Bitcoiners are looking 100 years, 200 years out, and they're looking at being the next reserve currency that's going to last centuries. Like, that's the difference here. Yeah, XRP is 10 years old, but no one would argue it's been a huge success. But I would assume that it'll be around another 10 years and, you know, continue to underperform and underdeliver. Magu, quick, quick question for you. Hi, everyone. Uh, just a quick question to j jump on the topic of stablecoin on the Lightning Network. 
do you have any opinion about the Galois money initiative where they basically use perpetual inverse inverse swaps to create synthetic dollars on the Lightning Network without a token? Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't have a big opinion on that because I haven't really looked into that a lot, but just on the very surface of that, you have to look at where this collateral is actually going to be housed, right? Because you have to look at the- It's OCAX. It's on OCAX. Yeah, so you have to look on how decentralized that is, right? And how censorship-resistant and state-proof that is, right? Because it is, ultimately... It it isn't. It isn't. Yeah. hundred percent. It's an exchange, but I mean, like a stable coin isn't decentralized as well. So, you know, it's comparables in my opinion. Well, that, that's what I mean, right? Like ultimately, like what we, what, what are you asking? Like, is that uh, an alternative? I'm asking. Or... Yeah, exactly. Like, do you have any thoughts on that being an alternative? No, I haven't. I haven't looked into that too much. So ultimately, though. Uh, no, realistically, this is what I think I'm gonna. What, what is gonna happen to stable coins? Stable coins are going to be co-opted by by the government and they're going to allow them to be only what they want them to be right and so let's just take circle for example a usdc right which is basically the all that money and collateral is being controlled by blackrock and they're deeply in bed with the government through and through and so that's why you've seen them destroy tornado cash because they do not want us dollars usdc being actually funneled through a money laundering service as the way that they would call it and then to be used on the open market right and so if they see anything that's actually happening with a stable coin that they don't like some lending service that's not doing kyc some whatever it is and if they see that they're going to attack it and they're going to attack it successfully because these things are not decentralized to the point where they can actually withstand a state level attack especially a state level attack coming from the united states Tornado Cash got literally, they farted and Tornado Cash got blown off the base of the planet within 24 hours. So ultimately, you're going to be using stable coins at the bequest of the, the state. So, like, so this, the, this is outright. You're not going to be using stable coins in any fashion in the next 50 years and thinking that you're doing it without the U.S. government or some other government's approval because you, you just won't be. You're going to be using them and because if you're doing anything that they really dislike, they're going to be able to stop you. Like USDC, they can freeze your funds anywhere. Like, does that sound like a pretty decentralized stable coin to you? No, even Tether does that. They can freeze your assets wherever they are, right? And so whether you're putting them in lightning or whatever you're doing, if they have any, any scope in thinking that you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, oh, we're actually not accepting any stable coins via lightning or that has ever been in lightning. Right. Like you just need to really think of it in a very adversarial viewpoint because we haven't even really entered the paradigm of I know it's cringe to say this, but like then they fight you like we ha they have we haven't even entered that stage. And if you think they're going to let stable coins get out of their control, I think you're very naive. They're going to regulate the fuck out of them in the next coming years, and they are going to make sure anyone using stable coins is not going to be doing things that they don't want to do. And even more nefariously, if you're doing things that they don't like want you to do with them, they actually might allow you to do it for a time to view your transaction on an open blockchain to see where that money is actually being flowed. Like it is a dream for them to actually track money laundering in real time and watching people actually disseminate this stablecoin across the planet. They can use that to their advantage so much and so they might 
it might appear that you can openly freely use it but all by the meantime they're looking and actually figuring out where all the money flows through the economy around the world where is it going to they could put money at one point that they know they're giving it to a drug dealer or a smuggler or a human trafficker they can pay them with those coins and watch it slowly get disseminated through the accounts and see where it ends up oh we see that you're within four degrees of separation of, of a human trafficker. Let's investigate this person. Like they're going to be able to use these things. And you might not think USDC is a CDBC, but it is. They're going to have absolute control into being able to see the money flows of that. You might think that it's open that you're using it. I'm going down to Central or South America and buying little fucking trinkets with USDC. And, and, and you think that it's open and free and you can make your... 10,000 fucking dollar wire without actually having to bribe KYC. You think you're being all slick. Wrong. They're watching you, right? So, like, just be very aware of what these things actually are, opposed to what people are marketing them as. It's also... Right, so, 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 sorry, just to clarify. So, what you're saying is, Magoo, is that no matter the way that's being used, whether it's synthetic or token bait, no matter the way, as long as there's a counterparty risk someone to be censored then then we're gonna get fucked basically right exactly because that's what torn happened to tornado cash they actually invented something that would actually obfuscate basically where the source of funds was coming from and they realized what it actually meant and so they absolutely just parted and blew them off the face of the planet through yeah, regulatory yeah. capture and, and let's, on that note like take stock of what happened yes it it was back in the summer in August and everyone feels like they have a good handle on it. But no, the quote unquote best mixing service in existence on the quote unquote most decentralized L1 blockchain Ethereum was literally in a weekend deemed persona non grata by the US, US Treasury and Janet Yellen. And by the, by the time the weekend was over, it was banned. Banned and people were trolling each other by not, them with tornado, not tornado only was banned to fuck them up. Not only was Go it ahead. banned, but the 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 Git repo was absolutely blown off of GitHub completely. Right. The number one right. contributor <laughs> to that yeah. the number one contributor to that GitHub was arrested all before the weekend was over. Before you woken up and had your brunch on Monday morning, right? So there's a lot of centralized points there that got them fucked, right? And so. This is why Bitcoin is Bitcoin is because it's so decentralized that it's very hard to attack. And when you build these systems that are not quite as decentralized and you're just building them for market efficiency to add actual functionality, whether it's the future of finance or whatever the fuck it is, it leaves massive holes, vectors to be attacked. And the U.S. government is going to absolutely use those, right? And that's why you need to make things like that's why Bitcoin is Bitcoin and everything else is everything else. Magoo, yep. the on top is that is that, and this is like whether indirectly or directly, whether it, it was like a, a per, like an intentional state psyop or not, both like two of like the the biggest like features of Ethereum, the dot ETH rate, like the ETH ENS domains and NFTs, right? If you think about this, it's it's honestly pretty hilarious. It's like the most amazing cell phone ever, right? So Bitcoin operates on a UTXO model, Ethereum EVM chains, smart contract chains operate on a on an account based model. So you have you have one address, right? And then all of the tokens and you know whatever else interacts with a smart contract via that account. And so these people that added whether it was to their their Twitter handle or whether it was uh, to their name or to their Twitter profile added 
an ENS domain or an NFT literally docks the history of their financial transactions interacting with this platform for free. They did it voluntarily. So here you go. Here is literally, it's in my name to my 100,000 followers. Here is the entire history of my, of my transactions for you, Mr. Government, for you, Mr. IRS. And, and I just think about this and it's whether intentionally or not, right? Whether it was someone that was just trying to create something cool and everyone just kind of unknowingly just signed up for it or not is literally the biggest state psyop ever, right? Like, you don't, go. don't forget, hey, man, yeah. the <laughs> bankless guys would disagree with you, bro. The bankless guys would disagree oh, with you, okay? No, do you mean well, the guys that are feeling, you guys, you mean the guys that are feeling Nexos? Nexo, yeah, those yeah. guys, you know, it's I all mean, about being bankless. Hey, they're just on to the next, like, they're just on to the next. He's got the next paid sponsor. Anyway, but truly, if you take anything away from 2022, if you take anything away, the, the quote-unquote best-in-class anonymous mixing service on the quote-unquote most decentralized DeFi L1 blockchain all got banned by the U.S. Treasury in a weekend. Case closed. Totally. totally. I, I just wanted to chime in. I was listening to Magoo earlier, and, like, dude, you, you are one of the people that I really fucking have come to respect, you know, just lurking on Twitter recently because I think, you know, not many people think adversarially enough. Like there, there's a lot of what I just call like kind of Ethereum envy and fintech envy in a lot of the the kind of the second layer, third layer Bitcoin space, where they're trying to they're trying to get tricky and trying to be cool because everyone sort of feels like they missed out on you know all of the so-called stuff that happened with Ethereum and the shit coins and everything. That, like you said, you know we th th there's a fine line between trying to you know make cool products but then potentially opening up vulnerabilities for you know much bigger problems because the 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 bitcoin mission is so much bigger as you said it's like to to basically drain the swamp and you know trying to play the the, the five or ten year game on something that is supposed to be playing the hundred or a thousand year game you know it could really just fuck things up and I don't know. It, it, to put this it, is where to I... put it to put it very simply, Bitcoin's number one principle and goal is separation of money and state. Everything else is looking at it a different way. Whether it's to make a cool product, to make some market efficiency, their number one principle is not to separate money and state. And that's actually shown in their principles and their engineering principles. And that's why they're being able to be co-opted so easily because Bitcoin is decentralized. Number one. Because it knows that its number one goal is to separate basically government or state money, and it knows how to actually engineer a system. While these other guys are having identity crises of being, what are we? Are we a cool product? Are we adding some market efficiency? Are we sound money? What are we doing? They're having identity crisis, and it's showing out in their engineering principles where they're being able to be co-opted because they're, they don't have their eye on the prize. They're, they're very short-term whatever you want, if you want to call a high time preference, that's what they are, right? They're not- Do, do you think there's a, goal. do you think there's a risk of that kind of culture seeping into uh, Bitcoin with, you know, all the stuff that's happening, Lightning Labs and all that sort of shit? Not if I can fucking have anything to say about it. Uh, oh, that's, that's for sure. But that's, that's what <laughs> I'm I glad I you're here. That, that's why these, that's why you need to think adversarial. Like I probably, 95% of the shit I probably say, Bitcoiners probably don't like to hear it, right? I'm not someone up here who's just going to be yelling a big fancy number at you and say to the moon, right? Like you need to fucking attack yourself and to point out your own weaknesses so you can actually be able to improve them and defend them. And you're right. Like that is a weakness that's going to continuously happen with Bitcoiner because on one end you have 
every cycle that comes in, the average IQ of Bitcoin goes down because these people are getting in Fucking for their totally. own. Fucking totally. They're getting in for well, their they, own. And that's just part of the game theory because they're getting in for their own incentivized economics, right? And that's kind of part of the game theory of how it's adoption grows. But you need to basically make sure that their voices are not the voices that are being heard, right? You need, like, because at the end of the day, a lot of people that are getting into Bitcoin are getting in to try to get rich. Like, let's not pretend like it's fucking anything else. Those are the people that you should not fucking listen to. These influencers and influencers that just sit around and circle jerk each other all day talking about big numbers, talking about all this clickbaity shit that's actually not going to be good for Bitcoin. Because, like, at the end of the day, the Bitcoin's number one fucking priority is separating state from money. And if people are up here talking about nonsense, you don't want to be listening to them. And you need to be having an adversarial mindset if you want to have that fucking reality come to fruition in, in terms of separating money and state. Because if you go off on all these stupid tangents, you're not going to actually have your eye on the prize, right? And that's why I don't even want to see anything else on Bitcoin because it, it's too much of a distraction. Not, not even if it's technically possible. It's just an outright fucking distraction and you have people that are going off and like, totally. oh, let's, let's put Pepe meme pictures on Bitcoin. Let's do these stupid federated things. Like, like, no, like who fucking cares? Like you're worrying about, like you're trying to build a house and you're talking about what color drape you're putting in your house where the foundation is in, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. the overall house is the separation of state money and you're worried about what kind of Wi-Fi you're putting in your fucking house. Like people just to be steered in the right direction and, and actually have their eye on the prize which is what what helium i, I think the answer is helium <laughs> i don't know i'm fdx thing at least maybe in modern day you could argue something beforehand i guess but this whole fiasco whether it was ftx or any of the other bug shops collapse 2022 was the best thing that could ever happen to bitcoin people will get mad because the exchange rates down 65 percent or 70 percent or whatnot but it was a gut check right it's like Everyone thought this whole thing was was fucking rainbows and sunshine. Yeah, home run. Yeah. You, you, this, this, the whole the the whole mentality of Bitcoin's already won. Those people are the dumbest yep. fucking people in the yeah. entire space. If you think that Bitcoin's already won, and you're sitting there in a lawn chair on a beach and just trying to collect your affiliate ad revenue, I'm sorry, but you're a clueless fucking idiot. Because this is a fucking battle. <laughs> that hasn't even started yet. And to think that the game game theory is just going to take you through this process and that we've won, that, that is very naive thinking. Like, this is going to be a very fucking long... People think that... Like, you have these... I don't want to call them idiots, but you have people talking about the U.S. dollar collapsing within five to ten years. Like, that type of thinking in Bitcoin is going to be the de facto world currency within five years or ten years. That's just absolute nonsense. Like, this is literally a fight like over the centuries, like Bitcoin is not going to be the de facto world currency until the last Bitcoin is mined. Like it is going to be a fucking battle to fight the current power dynamics of the monetary system. It's not just going to be some little quipper and they go out with, with, a, with a fizzle. It's going to go out with a bang. And as Dylan said, that if you think like people were sitting pretty and then 2022 with a gut check, wait until 2026, wait until 2028 with some of these big fucking financial firms and real trade fines start to go under because they short sold paper Bitcoin. This isn't going to stop here. You're, it's only going to get there every cycle you have a balance sheet that's bigger than the next balance sheet that absorbs all this bullshit until there's no balance sheet left to absorb how big of the losses are going to be because people think that they can gain Bitcoin with paper Bitcoin. It's gonna happen over and over and over again 
until you get to the final fucking boss. Go ahead, Dylan. Tyler, you got it, man. All right, so, so just to jump back on what you just said, because I think this is really fucking important, and I, I agree with you. This is, this is warfare, so, you know, it may seem like a walk in the park, but it definitely isn't. So to come back to your point, do you think that the dollar milkshake theory is going to play out? If so, then what does that tell us about the, the previous conversation about stable coins on lightning? Do you think that's an yeah? Factor? So this is part of my this, this is part of my theory on what I think is actually going to happen. I think the dollar milkshake is going to happen in tandem. Bitcoin is going to be eating some of that liquidity as well. I actually think that they're going to dollarize the planet with stable coins because right now you have all these weak currencies that are around the world. And the only way that these governments and central bank can actually keep a hold of value on the currency is with capital controls. And if the U.S. can literally infiltrate every single capital control and make it useless by using stable coins with all you need is an internet connection, that is going to absolutely destabilize most of the weak fiat currencies around the world. I've been to Central America. I've been to South America. These people want dollars. They can get dollars now because of an internet connection. Go to go to Venezuela, look at the boulevard, go to Argentinian peso, go to Costa Rica, Colone, go to the Mexican peso. These people that had capital controls where they could not get actual US dollars, now they can get them. What do you think is going to happen to those local currencies? They're going to destabilize and absolutely collapse first. And who do you think is going to be sitting there with a nice warm open arm saying, hey, do you want some free money? Like, who do you think that's going to be? Because these countries, these countries can't run on a Bitcoin standard because they run on a deficit. That literally is that that can't happen. So you're going to see a grassroots movement of people holding Bitcoin, but you're going to see their governments adopt dollars because you're going to see the United States and the IMF with their hands out saying, here's free money. We know you can never pay back, but we'll just start taking things and basically controlling your government for you. And that's how they plan on dollarizing the planet. Like now with stable coins, it's, it's, it's one of their weapons in their arsenal, right? And, and now you fire of debt, so right? A, yeah. So, sorry, and so, so as, as so that happened, as, as, as that happens, you're going to see Bitcoin pick up that liquidity as well. Cause like you're going to be unplugging people from the matrix slowly over time and they're going to be adopting bitcoin as well and bitcoin is going to get bigger as well and so you're going to see bitcoin and the dollar probably probably strengthen together obviously bitcoin quicker faster because of how small the market cap is but that's ultimately what i think is going to happen until you're probably left with like maybe two or three fiat currencies in bitcoin by probably like 2070 2075 and, but and, and do, you, do you not see that happening on the docking network Docs, we have a, only about a little less than 10 minutes, and I want to make sure we get some other people to uh, be able to ask questions. Chris has had his hand up for a minute. Is there something you want to ask? No, I was just listening. It was really good. I guess I'll add one thing really quickly. I, I think a lot of people thought that the version of central bank digital currency is going to be co-opting was going to be like FedCoin or, you know, the, the West is just going to issue... Uh, a CBDC and everyone was like, oh, I'll never use that. I understand the implementations of that, but I really do think that it's going to be more through stable coins. I mean, look at it. Like uh, I posted in the nest that USDC applied for reverse repo. And I definitely think that it's not going to be like FedCoin comes out and maybe they're going to try, they're going to try and incentivize you. Hey, here's a little bit of UBI. You know, you got to KYC yourself, obviously to use it. You're going to give it your privacy. 
they may do that route, but I think the more nefarious route is definitely kind of what Magoo is saying with stablecoins. Like USDC or any of these other cryptocurrency or stablecoins, their best path for global adoption is by a large government like China, the US, or somewhere in Western nation to just get co-opted and basically become the Fed coin. It's not going to be called Fed coin because people are like, oh, I understand the, the risks of that. But like, it's much easier in Magoo's sense of like, oh, like we can lend out dollars with an internet connection to South America, to Central America, to Africa, you name it. Like that's a much easier ask or say like, oh, stable coins on lightning. What a great idea. It's like if you want to get hit with money transmitter licenses on all of lightning nodes, yeah, definitely go that route. But I'm kind of in the Magoo camp of like stable coins on lightning, I think is a huge danger. Did they're coming? Watch out! Did they're coming? Kind of funny that the the same people like there's some people on the these. We have. I will I never stable coins. You are who you say you are. Quote unquote free USDC stable coin. Your free money if they can't easily ID you. The same people that on like the that were like I'll never use CBDCs have like dotty in their handle and they use USDC all the time. And it's like. Damn, man, I am really sorry that you can't recognize your own cognitive dissonance, but... And the, and the best part it is, technically, you don't even need to KYC it to know who you are. Like, it, it, like, like let me just put some little, a little memo out there for you. Like, the Tor network, who do you think runs most of the entry and exit nodes on Tor? It's the fucking NSA. And who do you think is going to be running the majority of routing nodes on Lightning in 20 years? regulated financial institutions and, and even on ethereum like even if you don't have your ethereum user address kyc they're going to be able to know who you are through a whole bunch of different forensic forensic accounting and network forensic to figure out who you are so like don't think just because your ethereum account isn't docs or kyc because you bought some non-KYC USDC off of some fat kid on a porch on the street, don't think that they don't know who you are. Because, like, like let me just put the very simplest thing for you. It, it, it even This actually even goes for Bitcoin. If you buy non-KYC Bitcoin from somebody, you're like, oh, they, have, they don't know who I am. But you don't know where those Bitcoin came from. Like, for all you know, you just bought literally Bitcoin that was touched by the Iranian nuclear missile program. Like, like you have no idea. And so you're thinking that you're slick and they don't know who you are, but now you're just linked to very scrupulous individuals and they can track that back and like, well, we know who these people were and now it's made one hop. So we know who it was someone in that close vicinity, that person now owns these coins. So like, don't be thinking that you're using these, these USDCs and they don't know exactly who you are as well. well and, and not just that, but when you try to come back into the system with your non-KYC Bitcoin and you want to buy a house, you want to buy a car, you want to buy whatever goods and services, wait until they tell you, okay, prove where you got the Bitcoin from. Now you're really screwed. Like, prove. I think it's extremely important to coin join your non-KYC coins. Like your KYC coins, there may be an argument. You might not want to do that. But with your non-KYC coins, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be coin joining that. But unless they're blacklisted, because if you, if you use yeah, them, Oh yeah, right. If you're getting blacklisted coins from Wasabi, you're not going to be able to use that server. So you might have to learn how to use join market. I see where you want to think. Okay. Sorry. A little slow. No. Awesome. Well, we're coming up at the end of, of time here. Thanks, Magoo, for joining us, Mr. Hoddle, and everybody else that was speaking. Make sure to join us in Miami for more great discussions, May 18th through 20th. 
You can use code Satoshi to get some discount. And we also have a new print magazine coming out, the Q4 edition. It's going to be pretty awesome. Got to see some previews of that. And on Monday, please join us. We have Corey Clipston joining us at 4 p.m. Eastern. So see you all. And thanks again, everybody, for joining us. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from May 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your tickets before prices go up. Bitcoin is for everyone. Lefties, righties, and rejectors of the false dichotomy alike. And that is why the newest Bitcoin Magazine print edition is called The Orange Party Issue. It features articles by President Naya Bukele, Jeff Deist, Beauty On, Natalie Smolensky, Eric Kaysen, Max Kaiser, and Jimmy Song. Get your copy at your local Barnes & Noble's bookstore or from the Bitcoin Magazine store at store.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off your annual subscription today. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.